Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome everyone! What a maneuver, etc. Welcome to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. This is where, whilst the other members of Cultaholic are grading, rating, doing silly tasks, challenges, and punishments, myself and a very good friend of mine are looking back on the on the Ica Pro smeared years of Monday Night Raw. And who be we? We be Tom Campbell, radio presenter and potential impresario, along with Head Pen and general all-round lovely guy, a new convert to Brit Rest. It's only Justin Henry. How are you, Justin? I am doing super, Tom. Thank you for that. And I, I, Although I, I should note that you said that the others do punishments. I feel sometimes watching these 1993 roles do constitute punishment <laughs> unto themselves. Depending on the episode, is Rob though, Bartlett. And we didn't even have to lose a prediction contest for there to be this punishment. Oh, that's so true. Do you know what? One one time, if the other lads are listening, your punishment is to watch Rob Bartlett for ages. Do that. Yes, you must watch the shows that we've watched so far. So if this is the first time you've joined us, well, I'd advise you stop now. Go back to the beginning and do it all chronologically. Because you wouldn't just jump into Steven Universe two seasons. Isn't that be weird? How about starting at the beginning and coming back? If you are all up to speed, you know the crack. Justin, what's the what episode are we on this week? We're on the one, two, three, four, fifth episode. Good counting. Of Monday Night Raw. Excellent counting. Just making sure for posterity's sake, it is the February 15th, 1993 episode of Monday Night Raw, which is the most in the can episode to date. It was taped two weeks earlier on February 1st from the Manhattan Center in New York City. It does explain a lot of the Valentine's Day references. It was one of those things that was constantly shoehorned in just to make it feel very relevant. Uh, yes, yeah, just to show everyone, hey, everybody, we're... We could be live. You don't know. But in all actuality, yes, it was taped. And it was actually the first time that Raw had ever been preempted by the by the Westminster Kennel Club dog show, which took place in between the Aries on the 1st and the 15th. So this is a this is something that we have to get used to when it, in Raw's years on the USA Network. Yeah, this happened all the time. I don't know why the USA Network had such an affinity with the Westminster dog show. They still are to this day, but well, actually, the first night is now on a on one of their sister stations. I think CNBC. No, actually, I think I think Fox has the rights to it now. Actually, because my parents are actually dog enthusiasts, and they uh and they tend to watch it every year. So I, I'm a little bit privy to what goes on. Well, at this point in our Ica Power DeLorean, we can congratulate Sally Lynn's Condor, the English Springer Spaniel that won Best in Show. I'm sure you're a lovely mutt. Oh, Sally Lynn's Condor, uh, a.k.a. Robert, was a beautiful dog. It was quite lovely, really. It's um, Although I couldn't sit through it, the, the 93 Kennel Club Dog Show, without... Uh, without Vince promoting other TV shows and without Rob Bartlett making jokes that, that Vince does not get. You don't know how difficult it is to watch a to watch a cockapoo try and jump through hoops without Vince McMahon telling us that Quantum Leap's on the way. Weird yes. old time. It's a weird old time. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure in future years the uh, 
it'd be a little bit easier to get used to you know, watching the dog show on an annual basis up until about 2000 or 2000, 2001 or so when it jumps to Spike TV and doesn't have that problem. I'm really sad they didn't integrate the dog show more than they did with wrestling. Like, I'd love it if they, if they had, like, Razor Ramon with a dog one year going round the track. Well, you know, go figure. They had the, the first year they had the dog show, Davy Boy's not there. Exactly! Davy Boy Smith's a shoe-in! You send Davy Boy Smith there with a bulldog, with Winston. That'd be brilliant! Winston's going to win because he's bizarre. Because he's bizarre! Best way of describing yourself ever. Best descriptive terminology. Because I'm bizarre. Although Davy Boy does pop up on the show in the action figure ad, but that's all we have of him at this point. That is sadly the only bulldog that we get, unfortunately. So the February 15th edition, we we begin with the, um, I guess the green screen promos from Brutus Beefcake and Ted DiBiase hyping up their one-on-one match. This... It loses a lot without the Saturday Night's main event synthesizer music in the background. Do you know what? It was missing that. I do love that about Saturday Night's main event, where they had that... (laughs) As all the matches (laughs) went on. I think they should have that now. That should be a thing now. I would get hyped up for every match if they did that. Have their logo on the screen behind them. That'd be so good. But do you know what I realised in watching this? That I think that... This is actually one of Brutus Beefcake's golden eras. I felt that from last week, his, his promo, to this week and his shenanigans this week, actually, Brutus Beefcake's really good at this point. And I know he's an easy figure of fun, a foff, if you will. But he's actually really good fun during 93. You mean for the three weeks that he was doing this? All three <laughs> weeks were brilliant. Less is always more, Justin. Three weeks is plenty. <laughs> He's he's the six day war of great wrestling heirs. <laughs> but no, good promos to start the show. Jimmy Hart being a bit reserved during Ted DiBiase's because Jimmy is concerned that um, Ted is going to destroy Brutus Beefcake unnecessarily badly, and he's very wary of that. And you can just see how reserved Jimmy Hart is, which I thought was a nice touch. Yes, Jimmy is the precise opposite of the fan who yelled "Kill yourself" at Beefcake on the fourth show. He is the binary opposite. He is do not kill yourself. <laughs> so we got that so, in the main event. That's a cool main event. Genuinely, I think that's a really good main event. I mean, it's it's two stars of a, of a bygone era, so it's, it's kind of cool to see. And it was quite literally two stars in a bygone era. <laughs> we cut to the ring to start the show. We have the, the Raw girl carrying the L.A. Raw sign. I get the pun, but it's not L.A., it's just another pointless raw girl sign pun. I just wow these these get worse. They really do. Do you at least get what the pun's supposed to be? Sometimes, but not all the time. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> like that's not one, nice. You... That's raw. I don't get. But um, that that's just a. Uh... A, a dumb way of trying to brand raw as, as a cool slang word like like raw's the catch-all for coolness rudeness whatever but la raw do you do you understand that one yeah that's la lore isn't it oh okay good you got that that's the theme music to la law and is it that is is it the theme music to la law or have i got that completely wrong it sounds about right. I haven't watched it in many years. There's like a saxophone bit at the start. Like, do, 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 do. <laughs> bom, 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 bom. That's how you know it was the 80s. Yeah, that'll do. That was actually very 80s NBC, so you've kind of kind of keyed in on the vibe of that. I'm going to very quickly YouTube it to make sure that I am right. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am. No, I don't want YouTube Premium. Go away. <laughs> it keeps asking for one YouTube Premium. Like, absolutely, I do not. Every 80s NBC drama or sitcom had a saxophone in, in their theme song, so... Except for Seinfeld. That, that's the only... Although that's more 90s. Yeah, Seinfeld that was, was more... 90s. That wasn't uh, so much 80s. Right, let's see if I was right. Let's see if I was right. Yeah, boy! <laughs> We're not going to get in trouble for a copyright here, are we? 
No, because we're talking all over it, so it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. We made this song. Copyright Justin and Tom, who wrote the theme tune to LA Law. Come at us if you think we're liars. So, after the inane sign, they've got way more tension from us than that probably should have. We have the... What did the sign say again? What did the sign say again? No, don't. What did the sign say again, Justin? I can't remember. You have to remind me. L.A. Roll. <laughs> no! <laughs> they don't make theme tunes like that no more. <laughs> so, anyway, we start with L.A. Roll. Uh, we go ringside. And doesn't everybody look lovely tonight? Uh, yes, Rob Bartlett is actually dressed to the tens here. He's Although he makes a very effect. weird open, yeah, it, it's like uh, it's like not quite you know mafia don, but but just shy of that. Like like he could say whether he wanted to be a a mob boss or a rabbi, so he kind of combined it too. Could could you combine careers as a mob boss and a rabbi? Uh, it's it sounds like it'd be like a Tarantino movie. Well, well like, Vince like, does yeah. refer to him as uh, as as a mob boss of some sort. Yes, he. Well, you're trying to involve Bartlett in the show in a way that that possibly he could, uh, you know, not not bungle or screw up. So, and do you know what? In doing so, I actually think this was probably Rob Bartlett's best night out so far, because they they made his his contributions simply about making gags like Vince and Randy Savage obviously well Vince more than Savage Vince obviously went look I'm just gonna set them up you knock them out of the park and that was fine they finally found the level with Rob Bartlett yeah it's because it'd be like Vince and Savage would talk for 30 seconds or 45 seconds about going on in the ring of Vince and try to involve Bartlett Rob what do you think And, and Bartlett has to stumble out something that's in context of what they're saying, Vince either has to fake laugh or try or try to ease it through somehow, and just it didn't work with a three man booth did not work whatsoever, which is a lesson for today as well. I mean, I have to say that it, it was a great usage day. He was he wasn't on a genius level here, but he was he was passable and he didn't get on my nerves. Absolutely fine, absolutely fine. So we had the Steiner brothers in our first match of the night against uh, a, one returning friend and one new friend. Yes, we have Glenn Ruth, the future headbanger thrasher, and a man by the name of Bobby Who. Now, do we know who Bobby Who is? I bring that up because they, Vince and Barla tried to stumble their way through the Who's on First routine. And there was two highlights in this match, and one of them, I'm sorry, there was three highlights in this match, and one of them was Bartlett trying to explain who's on first of Vince, the way he explained to someone how to use the bathroom. And that made me laugh. Because he was he, he almost sounded condescending when he was doing it. You know, Vince, that famous joke that Abbott and Costello did 50 years ago? and Yeah, they, yeah they've not done it before. Maybe this is the, t- the dawning of a new era where they are actually paying more attention to... Maybe the audience isn't quite with us on all the gags. Well, it's either that or Bartlett just had enough of Vince and, and, and decided to get him back by talking down to him, one or the other. I tell you who wasn't having a good night at this point, Randy Savage, because literally yes. minutes into Monday Night Raw, and he obviously ate his microphone or something like that, and his mic cut out. It sounds like Savage is on the phone because he's having headset problems, quote-unquote. Sounds like he's, he's just nicked out. I'm just going to Domino's. Do you want anything? He's just gone to get pizza. That's the truth. And 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 all he offers in between Vincent Bartlett's commentary are these idle threats toward Bartlett and idle threats toward the producer in the truck. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to flip the ring if you don't get my mic working. <laughs> like, chill, mate. This is the easiest money you've ever earned. And this is a tape show, so this is obviously a setup bit. You know, it's not like they could have. You know, just said cut, fix the headset, and then and then recorded the commentary. Or is it so a case thinking... of that the the recordings were in bulk and it was just there's no time to redo them. Like they've just got to roll through, and if the, if it's something breaks, something breaks. Uh, I'm not sure what the story was. To me, if I had to guess, it's probably just some a gag that somebody there thought would have been funny to try. Because because really, Bartlett only did like half the show. 
So maybe you're trying to, you, you know, do half the show with Bartlett, half the show without. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it really makes no sense at all. But either way, we had Steiner Brothers versus one of the headbangers and one of the who bangers uh, in the opening match. Um, only three minutes, but in those three minutes, Rick Steiner had to get a, a headlock rest hold in because he was obviously tired. Either that or he was telling whichever one it was, next move I can do to you is going to really, really hurt, so just brace yourself ahead of time. Because <laughs> Scott, at one point, Scott hits a released dragon suplex on Glenn Ruth, and I don't know how Glenn Ruth didn't die. I mean, he threw him like right on the back of his head, and his body just snapped over, and it looked brutal. Steiner's a rough boy. He really is a rough boy. There was a spot where he was going for a double underhook powerbomb, on Bobby Who, and he just smiled at the crowd. The happiest, most content grin you ever saw. A Cheshire cat smile. Well, Steiner's in his element when he's kicking the tar out of people. That's kind of his shtick. Yeah, he he could not have been happier getting ready to just pick up Bobby Who and just drop him spine first on the mat. He was was in his element. (laughs) It it was a a fun squash. I mean, all Steiner squashes are fun unless unless you're the opponent's. I do have to ask, though, is Scott Steiner, is he the most ahead of his time wrestler you've ever seen? In terms of, like, the moves and stuff. Like, like couldn't you see him today versus Walter or versus PCO you know, versus Zack Sabre even? You know, guys smaller than him that he could just... He's like Brock, but even more agile. Do you know what? That's a really, really good point, and you're absolutely right. In terms of his his style, his physique... You don't see wrestlers on the card pulling out moves like Steiner does at this point. You don't. You don't see anybody else doing, as Rob Bartley called it, an Admiral Nelson suplex. <laughs> that wasn't bad. He, he said worse. He said much worse. But yeah, I mean, keep in mind for those of you listening, this version of Scott Steiner isn't quite as muscular, like like immobily muscular as the one you see today. I mean, he is in his fifties. Keep in mind. But even compared to five years later when he first became Big Papa Pump, his physique was impressive, but not, but not that immense. But he was still, he was still like a solid two fifty or so. You'd think. I mean, I mean, he was, he was stout. He was built, but he could do a hands-free Hurricane Rana to a guy running at him, and it, and nine times out of ten, it looked fantastic. He would just and push, he can with still his do that now. Usually, he does like a top rope version now, which. For a guy who's in his mid-50s, that's still highly impressive. He's, he's had his share of injury, especially to his feet and his legs. But he's still, he's still Scott Steiner in so many ways, and it's actually kind of frightening. But I agree with you. that He's just very he's, – he's very far ahead of his time, and he's always one of these guys that had the – you know, had the, the – everything fallen in a different way he could have easily been somebody they build as a a strong singles competitor scott steiner from 1993 versus brock lesnar at his most motivated would be the greatest thing i ever saw in my life oh wow see i always thought that lesnar steiner would just be a battering fest in my little fantasy booking brain the the, for the battering fest that we never saw but Frankensteiner, Scott Steiner versus shooting star Brock Lesnar. That's a standard that would almost never be matched, I think. Dave Meltzer might have to bust out the eighth star for that one. So the match wraps up uh, in... This was... It was the top rope bulldog combo. Did this move have a name? I think it's called the Steiner Bulldog. It was just very simple. The Steiner Bulldog. Just, just I always simple. feel like every tag team move should have a name. Uh, it depends. It's but you got to keep it simple, like Powerplex for power and glory. But even that, Stephen, that's like, still a name. I'll still take that. I guess, I guess some wordier ones like Demolition Decapitation or the Doomsday Device. You know, they were pretty cool. 3D was a simple one, although you've spelled out Dudley Death Drop. God, what's up with all these Ds? There's <laughs> a lot of Ds going on there. The Dudley Death Drop. Yes. Yeah, Demolition Decapitation. Doomsday the Heart device. Attack was a great name for a tag team move. Yeah, but not enough Ds. Not... <laughs> Never enough Ds. Never enough Ds. <laughs> but the uh, the Steiner Bulldog won the day. 
after, as you say, some really crunching manoeuvring by Scott Steiner, including that that Tiger power bomb. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure Glenn Ruth. Uh, I'm sure his chiropractor has, has a nice house by now somewhere in, in the uh, in the villas of France that Mr. Ruth helped pay for. Simply through Scott Steiner matches alone, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we had the WrestleMania Nine report with Iker Pro as a sponsor. God, how'd they get them? Oh, they must have done some serious legwork to get Iker Pro in, on board. You know, this is this is a bit sad, this WrestleMania report, because it's February at this point, and Mania is in April, and mm-hmm. you can tell that they ain't shifting tickets. <laughs> and it's no. things like they changed, they've even changed like the wording, and they've changed <laughs> the approach with me and Gene Oakland talking about how Las Vegas is now the family entertainment capital of the world. So bring the family, come to WrestleMania, season <laughs> parking lot, please come. It just felt very desperate. We'll hide all the drug dealers and prostitutes. <laughs> we'll cordon them off somewhere until the show's over and you're back home safe. Jeez, yeah, it just Maybe felt he... a bit desperate for Mean Gene. He was he was shilling the hell out of WrestleMania at this point. We took Lysol to the whole place. It smells better now. <laughs> we Febrezed many of the bathrooms. You can now bring your kids here. <laughs> Even the urinal kicks are made of gold. <laughs> mean Gene going, you'll be glad to know there are still some tickets, but they're going fast. Oh, mate, there's loads. We know there's loads. This is such a shame. Maybe the slow ticket sales are because Ico Pro uh, did nothing about the Battle Royal named after Mula. Do you know what? People Very likely. <laughs> People petitioned them, but they, but they refused to budge. What would have been a what would have been a rest a 1993 version of this? I'm trying to give a controversial oh, wrestler from '93. I don't, uh, think were, I don't think there were any controversial wrestlers in 93 because they were all just being controversial. We didn't have internet outrage yet. We barely <laughs> had telephone outrage. <laughs> no, we didn't. But these are the three matches that, that are announced so far. Brett and Yoko for the title, which was because of, of the Rumble, but also Taker Gonzalez and Crush versus Doink. Now, and you wonder why people, nobody wants to come to Las Vegas. It's uh, that, that ain't the most impressive of cards. You, I have to concede, as much of a Doink fan as I am, as much as I love Brett, that doesn't sound like WrestleMania at all. What would you have booked? What would you knowing, looking at the roster that you've got now, Justin? Put your fantasy booking head on. Give us the three matches that you'd have done instead. Well, not necessarily the three matches, but one match I think they should have done, rather than put Savage on commentary. Why didn't he face Razor? Yes, it'd have been a hell. It'd have been a hell of a lot better than Razor Backlund. Because me, the show had two really good matches, and they were the first two: Sean versus Tatanka and the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers. After that, it kind of goes off a cliff. Perfect Luger was kind of disappointing. Brett Yoko was too short, and nothing else was really in the realm of being any good. In fact, some matches were pretty crappy, which is why people herald it as one of the worst manias ever. Although Mean Gene here preemptively six weeks in advance calls it the greatest Wrestlemania of all time he is desperate to shill those tickets it's like he's getting a cut of the money it was it was like when Johnny Depp and Ed Wood said this is it this is the one I'm going to be remembered for for playing nine for outer space and well he, he was he was right in a sense but not the way he was thinking it was remembered but it also was remembered for not the right reasons as you say um, so get your charge card out. Ring one eight hundred six three four six six nine eight. Get yourself involved. I think that still is the number for Caesars today. Actually, is it really? So can we call them and book WrestleMania nine tickets? Yes, we'll hop in the Ico Pro powered DeLorean and we'll go back and. So I we... want to bring like modern fans back to old shows and see what and like hijack Rio Mania three during like Hercules versus Billy Jack Haynes. Have them ruin the best WrestleMania of the time. That would be. It'd be fun. like drawing on the. It'd be, it'd be like drawing on the Mona Lisa with a permanent marker. <laughs> that would be Yoko, fun. Yokozuna versus Ross Greenberg. Greenberg, Greenberg, 
Not, not quite, although he does have some wonderful day glow color tights, making him the fifth person on the show to this point to have day glow color tights, along with the Steiners, Ruth, and who. That's how you know what year we're in. You know, because it is incredibly heavy 90s, because everybody looks like, everybody's underwear looks like the, the title sequence of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Incidentally, well, I do apologize. I did get Greenberg's music wrong. It should have been this. No! <laughs> but what are you trying to do to Greenberg, us? Greenberg, 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 Greenberg! Yeah, boy, Greenberg in the house. Okay, for purposes of this match, I'm going to imagine Ross Greenberg as being played by Corbin Burnson. <laughs> So what's the, what's the story of Ross Greenberg then? Do we know much about him? To me, he was always just one of the names that popped up in 93, 94, just a random journeyman jobber, always did a lot of Northeast tapings. I don't, I don't know a whole lot else about him, except I know Sean beats him on one of the future roles. That's a spoiler, although I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Sean versus Ross Greenberg, all oh, this could go either way. But uh, nah, he was just one of those guys that was there at the time, along with L.A. Gore. Glenn Ruth and so forth. Just part of the cadre of uh, patsies. He did stick around for a long time as a, uh, as a patsy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In the WWF, his last match was teaming with Julio Sanchez uh, against the Hardy wow. Boys. And you know that this is early days, Hardy Boys, because in the results, Hardy Boys is spelt with an S and not a Z. <laughs> Would that be the plaid pants Hardy Boys? Plaid pre- pant uh, Hardy pre- Boys. With their uh, Young Bucks headbands. That's it. They were like young, like cosplaying as Young Bucks, but in the past. Yeah, time-traveling Young Bucks. So this is this is what you'd expect. Yokozuna, Ross Greenberg, Savage is still pissed about his headset not working, threatens to take Rob Bartlett's. I will say, though, I love the pop that Yoko's fat leg drop gets. It's a combination of horror and sadistic joy. Yeah, it's um, it, it it was pretty sadistic. He must he's really got a thing for Yokozuna, I think, uh, an unspoken thing for Yokozuna. <laughs> Who would that be, Vince? Vince, I think Vince. Oh, he's a, oh, he's a big bloke, of course. What am I thinking? Vince Vince McMahon likes big sweaty men. I heard that somewhere. I can't remember where. Uh, I th- you know I think I've heard that too. It's just but. I- Gosh darn, I can't place it as well. Can't place it. Um, but this whole match, this whole Yokozuna match uh, against Greenberg was 
merely a backdrop for us to cut to superstars from mere days ago when it was Yokozuna versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yes, and we have Lord Alfred Hayes doing a masterpiece theater narration of the Yokozuna Hacksaw Jim Duggan knockdown challenge. It wasn't so much a match as it was Hacksaw trying to take Yoko off his feet just to see if he could. But first, this I must point out that this Lord Alfred special report, special report, is uh is sponsored by the new the, the new WF Posters magazine with eight as as Lord Alfred says eight superb full color posters. <laughs> superb. Poster magazines were very much of a time. I seem to remember yes. that a lot of magazines would have. After time, a, a supplemental poster magazine that would also come out, where everything mm-hmm. would just fold out into one big issue. Yeah, I, I bought a few of them. I, I had Brett on my wall, Randy Savage, Shawn Michaels, Razor. I was a kid of the 90s. What can I oh, say? And did you have like a, a big one of Sensational Sherry that, that, that disguised a hole that you used to dig out of your cell with? <laughs> <laughs> and then the one day you weren't there and your mum had to throw a, to throw a stone at the wall in fury and she heard it echoing all the way through <laughs> through sensational sherry and all the way through the tunnel of pipes what wait why am i tunneling out of my own house i, I don't get that because you had to either get busy living or get busy dying <laughs> as morgan freeman said that time <laughs> Yes, my house was just like Shawshank. <laughs> you said it, not me. No. You said it, not me. I will. I will say the posters would eventually be replaced by uh, the, by like some Sonny and Beulah McGillicuddy, and well, because teenage Justin had different tastes. No more need to have big sweaty men on his wall. I had. Um... Did I have wrestling posters on the wall? I'm pretty sure I had Hulk Hogan on the wall and Big Boss Man. Hogan, Boss Man, Legion of Doom. I had a Legion of Doom one as well. Oh, that's... So did most kids at the 80s and 90s because LOD were cool. <coughs> Excuse me there. So, so, so back to uh, Duggan and Yokozuna's uh, pseudo-sumo match. Vince was so happy to see Yoko get knocked off his feet. And I mean so happy. This is full-blown, raspy, grunty, throat polyp Vince. Yes, yes, he got knocked off his feet. He really was happy to see that. I mean, Duggan, right? Why did Duggan never lose or look weak ever? You look back through the the litany of matches that Jim Duggan had, and very rarely, if at all, does he even remotely look weak. That should be a Survivor Series drinking game. Count the number of times the Duggan's either counted out or used his two by fours weapon and got DQ'd. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If it was, um, if it was finish your drink every time Duggan looks strong, you'd be hammered. <laughs> You'd be out of beer, and then you'd be on to the uh, leftover Thanksgiving gravy at that point. <laughs> Just neck the gravy as soon as Duggan <laughs> is fighting outside into a double DQ. But even in this, against the man who is the like the the man who's going to face Bret Hart for the title, like they got to keep Duggan strong. Duggan, who hasn't got a match at Mania, Yokozuna, who is in the main piggin event gets knocked down by Duggan and has to use the salt to to knock him down. Gotta keep Duggan well, strong. Well, I mean, that was... Gotta keep Duggan strong for that the... title run he will never have. Well, it was all merely the prelude for Yoko to jump him afterwards, throw salt in his eyes, and not just a handful of salt, but the whole bucket of salt. He just... like, a, like an entire like... bag of salt. Yes, it was the big wooden salt bucket they used to carry, and he just threw it right into Duggan's face. And after that, he bonsai drops him, then does it the second time with the flag on top of him, which is uh, which which Africa calls in a basement of old glory. That was that was cool. That was a cool visual. I like that. I like stuff like that. Is simple. I mean, 
There's been a lot said in wrestling this week about um, heels that take it too far in 2018 and feel the need to to address the crowd with, with homophobic and racial slurs. There's been a lot of that around mm-hmm. lately. Um, so I hear. Yeah, yeah, but I, it's not our place to discuss it. But what it this is a handy reminder of, you know what? Sometimes it's simple stuff that is going to win out. More often than not, it's simple stuff. And Bonsai dropping Duggan with the flag draped over him. Like powerful imagery that cements Zuna as a baddie. You know, I think I'm on to something here. Oh. Bret Hart's a Canadian. And that's who Yokozuna is facing at WrestleMania for the WWF Championship. What if Vince, in his wacky Vince mind thought that Brett might be rejected by the crowds or that he wasn't over enough because he's not American. It's like, hey, let's let's have Brett take up for the American hero by fighting on... by being our de facto American hero, even though he is one of those, you know, anodyne Canadians. We'll, we'll have him defend America's honor against this evil Japanese wrestler who was not Japanese, but play along. This... This vile country that makes all of our automobiles and electronics. How dare they? Bret Hart's going to defend us. So and what you're then... saying is that they they decided to do USA versus Japan via Canada versus Samoa. Yes, Canada versus San Francisco. <laughs> yep. I think that's right. I think you've nailed it there. And then because... Because crowd attendance hadn't gone up the way Vince was hoping. God damn it, we need Hogan back. He's the American hero. He'll fix everything. <laughs> Hogan's being an asshole, Vince. God, we need a new American hero. All right, put Luger on a bus. Get Luger on that bus immediately. Oh, but hey, 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 let's not let's not jump the shark. We've we've got we've got that absolute nightmare to get to. Let's let's not rush to to the the, the poo covered dessert where we've still got a got a garbage main course to finish off. Yes. Uh, although I will say in advance, I have no intention of, of watching that entire intrepid special for this podcast. Although if, if people ask nicely, maybe maybe Tom and I will. I would be happy to watch the intrepid special because I've never watched it. It's, I know that I've seen I, the highlights of it. But I've never watched the whole intrepid special. Well, if you have another hour, hour of your life that you want to waste, by all means... I have got a bit of time off coming up, so I do believe that might be how I waste at least one hour of it. Yeah, that's not until December, so when it's cold outside, we have nothing, nothing better to do. You know, we'll just nestle up together and we'll watch the Intrepid Special. Ah, oh, that sounds like an Intrepid Special and chill to me. Intrepid <laughs> Special and chill, Justin. Um, that, that's we, a t-shirt slogan. In- integrated advertising. Um, we need more of this in WWE right now because we had an advert for Ica Pro, we had an advert for the figures, and then we had the Slim Jims advert. I have a. I want to point out kind of a down note here. It was really eerie watching this action figure ad because I read the observers and I, and I take notes on, on on the results archives. You know, leading into these podcasts we do. One of the action figures that was in the that was on display in the ring at the end of that little advert was Kerry Von Erich. And this is three days before his untimely passing. Ooh, really? And I just, yes, and I just thought how... Like I, I didn't want to be morbid by some time. I'm like, wait, why was Tornado still in this ad? Like, wait, how close was this to? And I realized, oh, this is this is the same week. That's, oh, my uh, gosh. That's pretty chilling. That is That is pretty horrible, actually. Did they? Do you know? Do we know yeah, if they changed the advert once he died? I haven't looked at. I haven't seen next week's show yet, but oh, I'm kind dear. of. I'm 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 worried they're not going to change the advert. Yeah. I'm really worried. Well, I mean, they still have Davy Boy Smith and Sergeant Slaughter in it, and neither of them have wrestled for the company in three plus months from years for Davy Boy and longer than that for Slaughter because he was he was he was an official at this point. So it's uh, and they still had the. Freaking 1990 Savage figure with the uh, purple king tights and the ad seats. So you know the whole thing is just it's outdated in so many ways. 
Well, let's see what next week brings. Hopefully, they'll see sense and change the figures. That would be nice. My, um, my fingers are crossed. We we have another recap from Superstars featuring uh, Giant Gonzalez. Now, as we discovered, there's a battle royal coming up. And Giant Gonzalez was going to be in the Battle Royal until all 16 guys in the Battle Royal said, no, we're not going to be in a Battle Royal with Giant Gonzalez. Have you ever heard such a wimpy-ass reaction to a Giant being in a Battle Royal? Yes, in a match that contains Razor Ramon, um, Tatanka, Tito Santana, Shawn Michaels, the defending Intercontinental Champion, although you can give him a pass because his character was kind of a wuss. Or he showed cowardly tendencies. Um, Owen Hart, Coco Beware, Bob Backlund. All these guys wanted nothing to do with Giant Gonzalez. And and was and that was even said as such. It's like the entire roster wanted nothing to do with him. It's like insert your own joke here. And they showed the clip of why, and it was from Superstars, in which Giant Gonzalez faced three uh, enhancement talents in a match, one, one of which was Luis Bacoli. I was about to say, one of them is a little better than the other two. Yeah, just a None little bit better. Now, I, I will say, this was really, really well done, what they did here. None of the three jobbers wanted to get into the ring, so they're kind of arguing among themselves at ringside. Gonzalez reaches over the top rope and pulls Bacoli up by his head, drags him into the ring, and this begins beating the pulsing piss out of him. And the other two jobbers end up running away when Gonzalez kind of shuffles toward them as though he were Frankenstein's monster, and they just run for their lives up the aisle, like, like we're out of here. And Gonzalez just beats Spicoli into a massive quivering jelly, and that's that. The whole, but the point was achieved. Gonzalez is extremely strong, powerful, and primal, and it's going to take more than just a normal human being to fell him. If anything, it will take a dead human being. Ooh. Yes, this would be the common way to employ Undertaker. Bring in someone that's insurmountable, and you have the supernatural used to counteract him. Which is, that's not a bad way to make a living. No, at this point, it was was how the Undertaker did his thing, but we'll get to... Uh, that match when we get to it, but we after we've we've found out why Gonzalez is such a, a monster, we cut back to Monday Night Raw and literally the bell rings and there's just chaos in the ring. No intros, none of that. Just oh, the battle royals underway. Here we go. Yes, all sixteen men slide in as though it were the fastest fight for your right battle royal in history. <laughs> I miss them. No, you don't. I miss them now Now Impact Wrestling's got good. Yes. God damn, Impact had to be a good company. Why are they now good? Let's go back to being rubbish. Exactly. It was more fun. Savage lets us know that there's 32 arms and 32 legs. I just counted them. <laughs> oh, yeah, at this point, Savage claims to have taken the headset from Rob Bartlett. Yes. They've swapped headsets because... Savage is sick of sitting quietly. And it was a shame because generally tonight Bartlett's been good. Yeah, that's... It was actually his strongest the... night. I did feel for him. Like, like, he wasn't great, but grading on the Rob Bartlett curve, this was obviously the 10. On the Bartlettometer, like a... it was very, very near breaking point. <laughs> yes, it dragged everything else up to like an eight and a half at least. Well done, Bartlett. <laughs> So in the Battle Royal, I did see Tatonka and Shawn Michaels and Kamala, Kimchi and Backlund and Damien Demento getting a bit more ring time. That's nice. Is, is Damien Demento clocked up the most hours on Monday Night Raw at this point? Yes, he is. He is the Mr. Raw to what Shawn, to what Shawn is as Mr. WrestleMania. Damien Demento was the first Mr. Raw. He really was, wasn't he? Well, because he, he was available. I have to point out the the elimination of our good friend Skinner. For some reason, he turns to where the hard camera is, and he begins shimmying and dancing for the crowd. Then he awkwardly stops as though he's about to crap himself, and then Typhoon knocks him over the top rope. 
it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in the Battle Royal ever, and I did write, WTF was that. If Ross Twiddell was doing this podcast, that would be – his eyes would light up at the WTF moment that just happened be- before his very wide eyes. It was a bit, wasn't it? I mean, there yeah, was so was much like, just, like, man action. I, I struggled to keep up with it all. I, I read an urban legend once on some message board years ago. I've never forgotten this anecdote. There were no names cited in this anecdote, but someone said that years ago in, in the Territory days, there was a cage match, and one of the entrants had taken acid before the match, and then he began having a freak out in the ring because he thought giant spiders were climbing the cage. What? So, people were watching this man have an out-of-body experience, and I'm thinking, maybe that's what I'm doing watching Skinner right now. He's having an out-of-body experience and doesn't know where he's at. And maybe, not to cast aspersions on Mr. Steve Kern, fine wrestler from the fabulous ones back in the day, but maybe he was, maybe he was on something really, really good and didn't know what was going on, and then realized, oh wow, I'm in a match, and then boom, he gets eliminated. Well done, Skinner. That is the we only, love you. That is the only possible explanation I could have for what happened there. It's difficult. I'm, I <laughs> must admit, it must be difficult in a battle royal like that to keep tabs on on what you're doing when and where. I think I am always impressed with anybody, whether it's at a local indie show or whether it's it's in Abu Dhabi, anybody that can do a Royal Rumble. Because there's so much admin to remember. And you've got to remember it all whilst competing in the ring like i'm always impressed with people who wrestle i've got no interest in wrestling myself at all but i'm always impressed with people who can do it well because it takes not only an incredible recall factor but the focus in the ring to kind of drive the car whilst planning the next three to five turns it's impressive and not just that but in these battle royal and rumble style matches to have that sort of you know pre-planning and coordination to have everything go off as well as possible if it is true that Pat Patterson booked all those Royal Rumbles over the years, then my God, he's one of the most brilliant minds that the business has ever had. Because that's, can you imagine coordinating thirty people plus the referees plus any interference that's bound to take place in the match? Can like, God, it's like, it's like landing thirty planes at once. How do you do that? It's amazing. It's amazing. And and you can always tell the Pat Patterson rumbles. They've just got that sleek smoothness to them and everything seems to flow a bit better. And there's no, there's not as many shortcuts of all the men in the ring, then one big man throws them all out. It mixes it up. It blends it. It moves it along. It's, it's, he's very clever as a, uh, as a guy. I'm wondering why Kim Chi had a thick Brooklyn accent when he was taunting Kamala. <laughs> Did you not know that I, Kim Chi was, no... was from New York? <laughs> like, like oh, Kamala. Hey, Kamala. We're in a rumble. That's that's how Kim Chi's always talked. I don't know what you're talking about. I wanted to see him try to swap gimmicks or, or combine gimmicks and smoke a cigar through the mask. <laughs> I want to, yeah, there's something in the idea of Brooklyn Brawler slash Kim Chi having like an identity crisis and just not being sure who he is on any particular day. He's the Ugandan Brawler. Oh, that'd be, that'd be splendid. Well, Kim Chi really gets involved in, uh, in Kamala's business and Kim Chi actually helps eliminate Kamala. The, the you know, in the, the, the biggest, I would say the biggest turn of all time, but I think Kim Chi is already... Has Kim Chi turned on Kamala at this point? Yes, yes, he has, because Kamala was with Slick last time. That's it, that's it. He's now with Slick. and <laughs> Because Kim Chi is avenging Kamala giving Brawler the stink face. Right. It's like, why would, why would Kim Chi care about that? Huh? I wonder. I, I, I will say, I laughed my ass off, because Kamala ends up chasing Kim Chi through the crowd. And, and that in itself was, was kind of, and it was what it was. We come back from commercial, we get a wide shot. Kim Chi is now running through the balcony of the Manhattan Center with Kamala with a spot shadow on him, running after him or lumbering after him. And then just, uh, I'm, I'm a very simple man to entertain sometimes, but just Kamala running through the balcony at a, at a poor masked man trying to stay ahead of him, fleeing in terror. That was funny. I want more stuff like that in a rumble. I do like, I did like the great escape when they ran through the backstage area. And they ran up the stairwell, and it was just like the greatest Benny Hill moment in the history of Raw. 
they should have filmed a whole bunch of those and just inserted them in, in, into every role for the remainder of 93. At the very least, like, this, this should have been a, a chase that carried on throughout the whole show. <laughs> just, hell, the whole world. Here they are in St. Louis. Here they are in Paris. Kamal has a beret on. He's still chasing <laughs> Kim Chi in the streets of, of Paris. God, that'd be so good. So good. Kamal, Why are we right and raw at this point? <laughs> Kamal's chasing him in a fishing boat through the ocean. Come on, work in the outboard motor in costume. <laughs> Mate, we should have, have we should have written bad ideas. At this point. No, no, these are brilliant ideas. I want if I if I if I ever ran a wrestling company, I will never run a wrestling company. If I ever ran a wrestling company, I would certainly do a spot like that where it would start with a battle royal, one guy would eliminate the other, and then spend the rest of the show chasing him. They're in Russia. Okay. Kamal's chasing while doing a Cossack dance. To the point where the the chase gets back into the ring during the main event and costs somebody a belt. <laughs> yes, and they're covered in stamps. <laughs> they were... They've been all over the world. Yes, they were couriered back to the States and then Kamal <laughs> pins them in November. I want them <laughs> covered in stamps. Jesus, don't Just keep die, getting Tom. processed whilst chasing each other. <laughs> Okay, before we lose time, let's move on with the match. What 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 a hell of a final four we had in the match. Uh, wrestling's yeah. old versus wrestling's new. Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, Tatonka and Tito Santana. Yes, the click versus the stereotypes. <laughs> it was uh, a good final four. Um, and it, w- it became a three. And then it became a four again when Giant Gonzalez made his way down to the ring. Yes, Gonzalez hits the ring with a even paler bodysuit. We and need to find out what reds. the real thought design, thought pattern was behind this suit. Does anyone ever ask Bruce Pritchard about the design? Because I'm sure he has to have some idea of why it was designed the way it was. With the bare minimum of the ass crack sticking up in, behind the fur pad. It's, I'm uh, going to try and find some old episodes of... Um, of um, Something that that's it, something to wrestle and see whether or not Bruce lets us behind the curtain on that. So Razor ends up winning by default because Gonzalez throws out Tatanka and, uh, and, and Tito Santana. You know, the two best words in the English language, default, default. And then the referee smashed Razor in the head with a blackjack. I loved Razor winning this. The way he did it was so bad guy, just rolling out of the ring when Gonzalez rocked up. And then yes, just he, getting into the ring like he'd won the belt at the end. Love it. Love it. It was it was okay. It was just there to A, build Sean Tatanka for Mania, and B, make Gonzalez look scary, and it achieved both goals. And it gave us C with Kamala chasing kimchi and giving us a little bit of joy. Yeah, because there was no real reason for the Battle Royal. There was nothing that was won. It was just, oh, we're having a Battle Royal this week. Yeah. It's just a... Uh, Everybody that's not on the European tour that isn't named DiBiase or Beefcake, you're in the Battle Royal. That's what it is. That's what it is. But um, it, like I said, it served a purpose. It, it built some people, made Razor look the boss. Uh, we, we got the build for Tatanka and Shawn Michaels. Yay! Excited about that. What a dream. Main, main event, we jump right to that. There's, there's no in-between... No vignettes, no commercials, nothing. It's Beefcake versus DiBiase, which was built from last week when DiBiase and IRS wanted to mess with poor downtrodden Brutus. And, and as noted, Jimmy Hart, not happy about this turn of events. He does not want DiBiase doing anything excessive to Beefcake because he's he's come off a very serious injury from the parasailing accident. And it's weird to see Jimmy Hart show any sort of compassion because for the past eight years he's been a douche. Yeah, I'm not douche. quite sure why suddenly he decided to 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 cut Beefcake some slack. You know, I, I was actually reading the Scott Keith's blog. On, I'm sure you've heard of Scott Keith, the famed internet reviewer and writer. Yes, I know. I am People... familiar with the work of Scott Keith. And I, I was I was reading the comments on this particular episode because Scott had reviewed it a few years back, and people were asking the same questions. Well, why did Jimmy care about? You know, Brutus Beefcake. Someone pointed out that when the Dream Team first came together in the mid-80s, that Luscious Johnny V managed Beefcake and Jimmy Hart managed Valentine, and on some shows, they'd both be a ringside. 
until Valiant took over the team full time. So Jimmy had had a, had a very brief history with with Brutus the Barber. Although BK did cut his hair at, at Mania Four, but some also point out that Jimmy Hart was. I think it was revealed on one of these shows that he was the business manager of Hogan. I don't know if that was like a Superstars episode, but that he would have a tangible connection with Beefcake and thus be more more sympathetic toward him and have more concern for him as a human being, being that both of them were friends of Hogan's. See, that isn't massively explained. That's just assumed that we should know. <laughs> or it's just Jimmy having a change of heart in his middle age and realizing, you know what, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be doing this. It could be just be as simple as that. Because I mean, very, I mean, the man had his face destroyed. I mean, the man had his face destroyed. He he probably should have died from the accident. And and some people just eventually they realize enough's enough. I got to stop being, you know, this ghoul of a person. But DiBiase and Irish clearly didn't. Although Jimmy had, you know, Jimmy had cold feet on the whole thing. So we have this match. It's it's a very basic match. Vince lets us know that you can bet the Hawkster's watching the program because he's not Brock. He's got nothing else on tonight, so he's going to be watching it. Yeah, the dog show was last week, so there's nothing better. <laughs> he's done. I enjoyed the dog show, brother. <laughs> My favorite uh, is the Spaniel, dude. <laughs> BK takes control early. He knocks the out to the floor a couple times, and at one point he makes the kiss my ass gesture. Which Vince says to that, that's translatable in any language. And you know it gave him an idea. This is a very short match because Beefcake is pretty limited at this point. He hadn't been in the ring for two and a half years. But he was certainly controlling the match. Yes, he was a, very much a, in charge. With, with the most exaggerated headlock you ever did see. He's grinding on it like he's churning butter. He really went deep, didn't he? He really went deep on that headlock as he bounced off the ropes. We got a few um, Road Dog-style jabs as well, which was good fun. A lot of strutting and cutting. Comes to an end after four or five minutes. D-Bass sent the barber into the ropes. Irish slams the money in the bank briefcase and it was back for the DQ. Vince says, that could well have been an intentional disqualification. Gee, you think? Did really? Oh, I'm glad you said that because I thought it wasn't. Hey, that nefarious character did something nefarious. I, think that <laughs> I can't believe it. And then we had the, the biggest angle of the show, which was DiBiase holding Brutus, Jimmy Hart pleading with IRS not to smash the, the Money in the Bank briefcase into Beefcake's face again. And IRS getting so fed up with Jimmy Hart's pleads for sanity that he just hoys Jimmy Hart out of the ring to the mm-hmm. shock of everybody, and then just clangs this briefcase over Brutus's head. Justin, the noise that briefcase made. Mm-hmm. It was a good shot. Oh, it was, it was, it was a, a brilliant shot. And Beefcake's writhing on the mat, holding his face, kicking his Holding feet. his face together, according to Vince. It was a good angle. It was a really good angle. It, it made you hate Money Inc. even more. I bet it made even the fan who told the barber to kill himself feel bad for Beefcake in that moment. I bet he felt terrible. We even had blood on the on the canvas. Just looked yeah, a... like a hell of a shot that he took. And what? And this is where it's funny where Vince is. Vince tries really hard to be sympathetic, but then at the same time he knows he's running a show because he's there going, "I can't believe what we just seen. What despicable actions! Oh, we've got to get somebody out to help Brutus Beefcake." Let's watch that again in slow motion. <laughs> no! If you care that much, of course we're not going to watch it in slow motion. <laughs> Couple and then listen here. to the noise it makes off this one. It's like, Vin, stop it. <laughs> Back and to the left. Back and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> there is a couple points I want to make here. One, Iris gave the best exaggerated laugh of his career when he was leaving. Just a, v- a very profound ha ha ha. Like yeah, that uh, is a man who hasn't had to fake funny very much. I mean, I mean DiBiase's laugh was natural. That just, you know, proud tycoon rich man's laugh. <laughs> he's laughed, he's laughed evilly much in his life. IRS was attempting his first mirth ever. I can't, I can't remember if this was Savage or Vince. It had to be Vince that this. When he saw the blood stain, he goes, "That has to be from Brutus." <laughs> no, 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 it's from the ref. He, he cut his toenail whilst the match was going on. Apparently, apparently, apparently Bartlett has made him dumber. 
So then at the end of the match, we have a break and we come back and we say that, oh, Brutus is okay. According to Vince, Brutus is fine. He might even be here next week. Hulk Hogan might even be here next week. Please watch Raw. Please. That was really bizarre because it's like, that's the fastest diagnosis ever. The, the, the man made his, had, 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 his, uh, had his facial reconstruction uh, deconstructed. He may have had his face crushed in the, in the midst of this attack. You think you need to have like an MRI to see the extent of the damage. But no, within two minutes, Dr. Vince is on the air. He's like, he's okay, everyone. Don't be upset. Don't not watch next week because you saw a horrifying sight here. He's fine. He's going to be here with Hawk. It's going to be great. We're going to pop a big like, like as long as you like, watch. Hogan, beefcake walking down, walking out of the ring, like Mr. Potato Head with three pieces missing. As as Vince is going, <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. He's absolutely fine. I promise you. <laughs> you didn't see it during off. the commercial you didn't see it during commercial, but he had, he gave a big hearty thumbs up as he was being taken away. So he's okay. <laughs> Do you know what? A short main event, but but progressive main event because it gave us storyline development and all that stuff. And do you know what? Again, as I said at the start of the show, I think this is one of Brutus Beefcake's strongest runs. I think he looks great. I think I think he looks he looks like a force, and it's he's here at a good time because we're in this weird period where that we're not quite out of the Hogan era. We're not really in the new generation era. You know, we've got a battle royal that features everybody from Kim Chi to Bob Backlund. So we don't quite know what we are at the moment. Main event is Brutus Beefcake and Ted DiBiase, which I'm pretty sure headlined house shows in the in the late 80s. So we don't quite know what we are at the moment, but it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It does have this weird sort of free-form element to it. Where it, it, it does have the mishmash of errors going on. And and as we'll see as we go forth here, there's a lot of there's a lot of roster shuffling in 1993 that just it feels really weird because it's the in, in a year where you have men on a mission. Um, I'm trying to think of a few others from like Europe. Jeff Jarrett, country singer Jeff Jarrett, the Heavenly Bodies, the Head Shrinkers, you have been Head Shrinkers, absolutely. One, two, three, kid, Adam Bomb. In the same year, you have have Hulk Hogan, Brutus Beefcake, Ted DiBiase. The Natural Disasters, Repo Man. It, it, it's like it, it, it's hard just you know juxtapositioning all those people side by side. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel normal. It's like, a weird old blend. Yeah. It's a weird old time, and I think they're just, I think they're transitioning themselves into a new generation, uh, into what would become the the new generation. If I told you that the say Big Boss Man and Ludwig Borg are missing. Other by a few months, you think that's really strange? Yeah, because everybody else is here. Every other bugger's here at the moment. We might as well have Borger and Bossman in the mix. Yeah, I mean, I mean just like as Bossman leaves, she must like Borger comes in. It's, but you wouldn't think of them as being in the company during the same calendar year. Yeah, it's a it's a weird old time. But do you know what? I enjoyed Raw this week. I thought we, we are in this weird transitionary period. But I thought this was this developed a lot of storylines for what is looking like a very anemic WrestleMania. But we've certainly had development. We made Yokozuna look good. We made Duggan look good for some reason. Um, we had Gonzalez come out and establish some dominance. We've built to the tag match. This is actually a really solid mania building show. It was productive. It breezed away. Right by it, it, there was a minimum of of BS on the show. It was fine. It, it was a good show, and, and the angle at the end was was really well done. It did make you interested to in see what's going to happen next. Him getting revenge on two very evil characters for basically trying to kill him in the middle of the ring. It's, it was fine. And uh, we may next it. week have Hulk Hogan with us, which completes <laughs> this weird generational cross section that we've got by having Hulk here as well. Parents, we promise there'll be no blood. Let your kids watch the show next week. Because <laughs> Brutus is okay, as we said. This was taped two weeks ago. We know he's fine. He's fine, look. Just, just cut to him and his, his eyes hanging out of his socket. <laughs> he's fine, look. He's fine. <laughs> look, he's eating a granola bar. He's fine. <laughs> so that will do it for, uh, for Raw this week. Next week, Hulk Hogan, possibly. Shenanigans, very possibly. Uh, Justin Henry, where can people find you to see uh, where they can where they can chat to you on Twitter and stuff? Uh, my Twitter is JRH Writing. Uh, you can find all my work on Cultaholic. I, I I'm doing the SummerSlam facts list right now. They're currently uploaded through 
Uh, the 2004 show, as of this writing, and by the time you hear this, uh, 2006 should be up. So, yeah, they'll, have, they'll all be up by uh, Sunday, August 19th, in, in time for the pay-per-view. And, uh, Tom, how about yourself? Um, this week I'm at Tom Campbell. Well, every week I'm at Tom Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep an eye on Twitter. Names? I just I just changed quite a bit. Uh, keep an eye on Twitter this week because uh, I've done some really wonderful work with Rise Wrestling based in Leeds, uh, with Main mm-hmm. Event Wrestling and North Wrestling in Newcastle. And if you are listening in the Northeast area, come along to Three Cat Wrestling in Darlington on Sunday for Midsummer Showdown. Uh, Sugar Dunkerton's going to be there. My boy Sugar Dunkerton in the house. Wow. Uh, and I'll be at ringside just, just mucking about in a Hawaiian shirt. Do come say hi. It'd be lovely to see you there. But uh, if we don't see you there, we will see you back here next week on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. He's Justin Henry. I'm Tom Campbell. And join us. No! <laughs> We're going to get sued again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.